Welcome to another episode of WA Expose, a podcast about local arts by local artists. As always, I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the immense privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Nungabuja. Today's guest is a multi-award-winning artist, having won Entertainer of the Year at the 2019 Proud Awards and most recently took home the award for Best Cabaret and Variety Show with Life's a Drag at Fringe World 2022 after winning the Weekly Award in the same category two years running. They are a very versatile and multi-talented queen, winning one of the few drag artists in Australia who not only sing live but are also a DJ, musical theatre performer and actor. As a regular performer on the Fringe and Cabaret circuit, they're a standout with countless sellout seasons and receiving many five-star reviews for their shows. Most famously, known as the drag queen that went viral around the globe after jumping up on stage and singing with Adele at her Perth concert, it is my pleasure to be speaking with Dean Misdell. How are you, Dean? Hi. I still laugh every time that Adele thing is mentioned because it is such a fever dream. Right? I put it at the end being like, because it's got to be where, I, oh, it's gotta be where we start. It's got to be where I, every chat starts, right? I, it... it I, um, I spoke about it in this year's Fringe show and I'm like, I'm still riding those coattails like six years <laughs> later or whatever it's been. And I'm just like, it just still makes me giggle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Is that just because you, and you, obviously you talked about it in your incredible Fringe show, but for yeah. those who weren't mm. privileged enough to see it or haven't seen it yet, yeah. we'll put a great yet on top of that. Can you give us the Cliff Nose version of that story? Yeah, the, the rundown is I went to the concert dressed as her, um, I'd only kind of been doing her in my show for a little while and people like, oh, you look like Adele, you should do Adele, which in my head was a polite way of calling me a fat drag queen. <laughs> um, so I started doing her as a lip sync act mm. and then went to the show dressed as her. I went with my flatmate. We bought the most expensive ticket. We were basically nose against the stage. Yeah, She saw me, pulled me up on stage. I said, can I sing for you? She Ooh. gave me the microphone and I just belted out like, five lines yeah. of a song and it just went literally viral around the world. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so good. You've got to take your opportunities where you oh can my get God. them though. Yes, 100%. I mean, you're definitely somebody you want to talk about with a little bit later on, but yeah. you are somebody who is just like every chance, every opportunity, yeah. whether it be like a scripted traditional route or not, that yeah. is just your entire, totally. your entire vibe. But uh -huh. before we get into that, yeah. I want to take a little step backwards. For you, yeah, yeah. why drag? Um, I fell into drag through DJing. Ooh. Yeah. So um, when I was growing up, went to a Johnny Young type talent school um, and the guy who owned it um, had a side business and he would DJ weddings and corporate mm. events and parties. And when I was about 15 or 16, he got me a gig doing these Sunday afternoon, like kids party, kids Ooh. club kind of um, discos. Mm. He's like, do you want to DJ? And I was like, mm, okay. So... <laughs> I would rock up and like, this was, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Oh God, I'm giving my age away already. <laughs> and I was going to ask you what were you playing, but I was like, oh no, no it was <laughs> No, it was Aqua and Spice yeah. Girls and Steps and yeah. all that Europop. And mm -hmm. um, so I did that and then eventually started doing weddings. And then um, I was working, I grew up in New South Wales and one of my first jobs out of high school was working at an RSL club. Mm -hmm. And over there, they're all like mini casinos. Delightful. And I was basically a promotions host on the gaming floor. And there was a nightclub in the RSL club and they're like, we should do a gay night because the marketing manager was a lesbian. Ah, cool. And she's like, well, you, you DJ, you can DJ at it. And then that led me into DJing kind of nightclubs mm. and then just one bar after another. And then um, once I started DJing around Oxford Street in Sydney, oh, yes. uh, Vanity of Wigs by Vanity mm. was like, oh, someone said you're a DJ. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, do you do drag? And I was like, I've done it twice. Like yeah. at a friend's birthday, 
whatever. Mm. She's like, how about you come DJ in drag for me at this new venue and I'll give you a job. And it just kind of became a thing. I started DJing in drag having no idea what the hell I was doing. (laughs) Did that for a while. And then I was like, I'm going to do some drag shows. Like I grew up doing theatre and singing and performing. So I'd started doing the lip sync shows around Oxford Street and one thing led to another and all of a sudden I was doing drag full time. Wow. Yeah, it was just a very natural one yeah. one step after the other. Yeah, how do we get going? Again, opportunity, go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Opportunities that are presented to me. Mm. I just said yes and whatever happened, happened. Yes, and but your background is clearly obviously musical. Like mm. that's where everything yeah. really begins big, big for music. you. Mm-hmm. Like where does that start? Is that like a family thing for you? Um, no. Well, yes. It's a, It's none of them are singers. Mm. Uh, my grandparents on my dad's side were ballroom dancers. Oh, amazing. Um, and when I was about 10, 11, 12, myself, myself, my sister and my two cousins, we all went to the same kind of dance school. So I started dancing before I started singing. Mm. And then a few years after, um, had a couple of singing lessons and kind of worked out I could sing. <laughs> and um, my dad's a huge music lover. He would always have music playing nonstop. Yeah. Um, and I'd always just be singing around the house. What and, sort of music? Oh, my God. Anything from, like, the 60s, 70s. Uh, right, yep. Like, Marsha Hines, John Farnham, mm. uh, any of those, like, 60s, like, Frankie Valli. Yes. All that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, huge, wide variety of, all pop music. Yes. But, yeah, really many, many different artists. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just became engrossed in music. And then, you know, through the 90s and 2000s, I would live at, you know, the CD stores and just devour pop music. Yes. Okay. So that actually Mm. brings me to your musical theatre stuff really, really easily too. Mm. Was it like, did it influence what musical theatre you were attracted to? Because there's obviously musical theatre is a branch within a branch. (laughs) So um, I fell into music theatre again through the talent school. Um, There was a couple of like local theatre companies that kind of ran parallel so mm. a lot of the same people were crossing over from the talent school I went to into the local theatre scene. And the first musical I ever did was Bye Bye Birdie, which is yeah, okay. 60s rock and roll musical. Yep. Then I did uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Different. Yep. <laughs> and then in high school did Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. Uh-huh. And then didn't do any music theatre for a long time because mm. the nightclubs and the drag took over. And then I stepped back into music theatre when I moved to Perth and I did Oklahoma uh, Oliver. Lovely. Yeah. Wait, who were you and Oliver? Mr. Bumble. <laughs> <laughs> I was, so I was reviewed as a very camp Mr. Bumble. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Worst thing Mr. Bumble could be. Is <laughs> right. I know. Uh, you know, uh, and then, um, we will rock you happened, which mm. stemmed out of the Adele thing. Yeah. And then the last couple of years I've been working this pro-am, pro crossover section of music theatre and I've done We Will Rock You and Priscilla and Mm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. But they're Mm. all like those ones that you're really rocking in now definitely are Mm. with more like modern music and stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Jukebox musicals are absolutely my jam. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, I I could watch Wicked – Every day of the week. I've, I've seen Wicked Live probably 10 to 15 times in different parts around the world. Oh, and, you know, I, I appreciate all types of theatre, whether it's something I would perform or not. Oh, totally. Yeah. You when I was to. in London last year, I saw eight shows in eight days or something. Amazing. And just like saw plays, saw mm. theatre, saw jukebox shows, saw the classics. Just, yeah, I can – there's just something about live 
performance and theatre that just I can, it feeds my soul. Yeah. And also it's like a really great, and it's something that I continue to harp on about all mm. the time that I know you echo widely, <laughs> is like being involved in the scene you want to participate in oh, and like yeah. actively showing up. You don't oh have to be on God. the stage to be like 100%. Going. Yeah, <laughs> totally. We're going to talk about that later. FYI. <laughs> we, <laughs> we're we're opening Pandora's box early. We are, we are. But yeah, but it's a huge, it's a huge part of your totally. story. Oh it's my like God. so important. Absolutely. And when it came to like all of this incredible back work that you've done, mm. how did you like narrow that down to what you wanted to put in your solo show, Life's a Drag? Like, well, that would have been tough. This version is now version three. Yeah. And prior to that, there were shows called My Life in Heels mm-hmm. and another show prior to that called Reality Sucks. <laughs> um, so th- it's been a long mm. build up to this. You know, I've been doing the Fringe Festival here in Perth now for six or seven years, mm. I think it is. And it's only now that I'm winning awards. It's been years of perfecting the show. Everyone and take notes on that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's been years of um, even though I had all these skills as a music theatre performer yeah. and as a singer and all that sort of stuff, um, you never stop learning and you never stop um, fine-tuning your craft. Mm. And so, yeah, that's a big takeaway is I don't I don't really believe that overnight success exists. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm – yes. Overnight ex- – <laughs> the overnight 20 years is It's a decade plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I grew up wanting to be a pop star mm. and, um, you know, now I'm kind of – I'm living the pop star dream without being the pop star, if that makes sense. Like – I'm touring the world. I'm creating my own show and mm. stuff. Just I'm doing it on my own terms without the mic magnifying glass of a record label yeah, or a TV show totally. boxing me into a, a character or a stereotype. Yeah, completely. And mm. that would like – so when you came to Perth and you started to do these mm-hmm. fringe shows, mm-hmm. was like the – because a one-hour solo show yeah. is a lot of people's worst fucking nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> so was it something you were immediately drawn to? No. So I, when I first came to Perth, I was still just doing nightclubs yeah. and 99% of my shows were lip sync and mm-hmm. DJing. And um, how my first kind of uh, fringe show came about, which was the Mad as Hell show, mm. um, I'd been doing these YouTube rant videos <laughs> – where I'd be like, I'd yep. open the video, I'd be like, I'm mad as hell. And I'd just talk about stupid, like, first world problem stuff yep. and just rant for five minutes. And um, I had the idea of I want to turn this into a stage show and use these rant stories and attach them to a song or a mm. parody or yep. something. And um, that's when I met Janelle Koenig, uh, amazing, yes. and she basically co-wrote that first show with me five, six, seven years ago. And um, there's material in that show that I still perform to this day. Awesome. So, yeah, the, but I guess the reason I wanted to move into that cabaret space was because I, I got to a point where I was like, I'm a singer. Why am I not mm. singing? No one else is singing in drag. Yeah. And basically I'd been told not to sing in drag for so many years. Really? Mm-hmm. Did they say why? Oh, I had uh, nightclub managers basically laugh at me. And I've had people sit in the room and snigger while I've been sound checking and all kinds of stuff because they're like, yeah, drag queens don't sing live. No one will go and see you do that. Well, prove them wrong many times over, haven't mm, I? Yeah. But um, it was just, you know, it just wasn't, especially in Perth. It was, yeah. and, you know, coming from Sydney, there was only one or two drag queens singing live there. And then I came to Perth where no one sang live. Mm. And yeah, I felt like it was just taken as a bit of a joke. And then when I 
did eventually step into the fringe world and do this um, cabaret show. It was a three night run. Mm-hmm. It was two, three. I think it was three nights in like a 50, 60 seat venue yep. and sold it out. Wow. So I was like, oh, there's something to this. I think I found my audience. Mm. Um, and that's another big lesson to learn too is your audience is not always going to be where you expect them to be. Totally, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's how the kind of cabaret thing stepped into my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I've I, always been told I've got the gift of the gab and so much of my cabaret work is unscripted. Wow. That's one thing I learned doing the very first show was it was 100% scripted. Yes, and then okay. I always find my best work is uh, predominantly off the cuff where I'll know what story I'm going to tell, but it'll be a slightly different recount every night because mm. I want to react to the audience or this audience might laugh at something that the audience last night didn't. And yes, I like okay. to have that freedom to just kind of zigzag in and out of the story as I wish. So we'll always get to the same point and the story will always be told to lead into the song. Yeah, you'll always give the cue person the yeah. same lines. So well, pre- yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. The, the poor text that I work with. Uh, <laughs> some of them some of them are great. They're just like, as long as I have that final cue before the song, mm-hmm. we're great. Others are a bit not so uh, <laughs> relaxed about it. But yeah, um, it's, I just think being, the one thing I've learned is the most, the way, oh, I never thought I'd have success just being myself because the yeah. bi- the biggest success has come from me just walking on stage and doing me, not mm. not thinking about it, not overanalyzing it, um, and not trying to force it. Yes. Yeah, yeah most definitely. Mm-hmm. So if you compare, like, Dean and the success of who you are mm. to, like, original Dean, like first time, like doing that gig for Vanity, doing Mm. that DJ spot. (laughs) Do you think you were trying to perform to something else or what do you think Dean, like the goals were then? Were you still Dean or has the name changed? No, so originally my drag name was Feminem, which was DJ Feminem. Ah, yes, yep. And then I, once I started performing in drag, I just kind of kept that for a while. But that all got dropped really when I started doing music theatre in drag. Ah, yes. Because uh, I... We had so much issue with press. Do we credit you as Dean? Do we credit you as Feminem? Because you're not really playing Feminem. You're playing this role or that role. Mm. So I, I just started to phase it out. And it's probably one of the best things I've ever done now because it's just labeled me as myself. Mm. Um, and drag for me was never about being a character. It was always just a heightened version of me. Yeah. And yeah, when I had first started doing drag, I think for the longest time I was just doing whatever. Mm. I don't think I was trying to do too much. I was like, oh, well, this person's asked me to DJ, so I'll go DJ for them. This person's asked me to come lip sync. So I was kind of being pulled in a whole bunch of different directions and not really knowing. I was just kind of doing them all. Mm. And then as, you know, life progresses and my focus changed, once I really honed in on one thing. Mm. So sometimes, you know, being a jack of all trades is not a good thing. (laughs) But I mean, it keeps me very employed because I do (laughs) have the versatility to do lots of things. But yeah, when I'm really laser focused on one particular thing, that's when magic can truly happen. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. Mm. Um, Okay. So I'm going to bring it back to Life's a Drag. Yeah. Because that is the one that you're like currently super laser focused (laughs) on. It is going like absolutely. When Gangbusters in Perth is fringe, you got to go interstate. You've been overseas with it too. You've done it in New Zealand and you're heading. So in the last 12 months, I've done the show pretty much name a city in Australia or a state. (laughs) Yes. 
And 2022, I did Edinburgh and Vancouver Fringe. Mm -hmm. I just did Wellington, which is New Zealand Fringe. And then I'm going back to the UK to do London and Edinburgh Fringe again in July, August. So, yeah, in the last 12 months, I've kind of been all over the world and all over Australia with Lysa Drag. Um, And... The 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 I've because I I've got three three versions of the show now. There's yes. kind of the version at Perth this year was a brand new version of the show, but then the version that I've been touring mm. is kind of a, a Frankenstein mashup of version one and version two. Oh, why is that? Uh just because I I just it was almost like pulling the best bits of both shows mm. and creating mm-hmm. the perfect show. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and that show I have performed over. It's close to a hundred times or so. I counted it a while back, <laughs> but um, yeah. And the version that I did in Perth this year was quite tech heavy with video and cue. And uh, when you're touring the Fringe circuit, sometimes you have an hour to yeah. tech a show. Mm-hmm. Um, so touring with video and lots of cues is not always a reality. So yes. there's kind of a touring version of the show. There's a version of the show I can do with with your home audience. Yeah, and then. There's also a version of the show which I'm about to perform for the first time with a live band. Yes, that's so, so exciting. So it's, it's building, again, just naturally, mm. um, these things have happened along the way. So, yeah, there's many different versions of the show and it's just become a bit of a beast. <laughs> yes, totally. Can you, like, tell us a bit about your experience working with um, live music again? Because mm. obviously oh when God. you enter the drag space, mm. suddenly they, they suck that all out of the room and yeah. you don't get to do that. So it must be so exciting. Yeah, so – um, When I was kind of doing the talent school thing over East, we used to do a lot of talent competitions in the RSL clubs where you would Mm. rock up with your charts and perform with the house band. So I, yeah, like you'd rock up, you'd kind of sit with a keyboard player, run through everything, boom, that was your rehearsal. And then you'd walk on stage and perform with the full band an hour later. So I was used to kind of doing that sort of stuff, performing with musos and obviously in theatre, working with orchestras and stuff. Mm. And then... um, the first time I worked with the current band that I'm working with uh, was for the downstairs at his Madge program last mm. year, their cabaret program, and um, kind of got thrown in the deep end, submitted a show, and um, we had scheduling issues because, you know, there's Isn't a, there a just always. There has to be, yeah. And um, I was scheduled outside of the festival program. They scheduled me a month earlier than the application okay. <laughs> had stated. So I had like six weeks to put together this brand new show and get a band together. So that was crazy. But lucky I'm working with some amazing people who you can <laughs> throw a chart in front of them. We do one rehearsal and we're good. I can't understand that. Mm. Well, <laughs> I'm, As a singer, I'm like, I just need like a long yes, time by myself. I, <laughs> I don't sight read. I, I can yeah. follow sheet music. Yeah. It's fine. Um, but... Uh, no, learning song lyrics can take me weeks. Mm. It's just one of those things I hate doing. Yeah. But once I know a song, I could. someone could ask me to sing a song I sang 20 years ago and I would remember it totally, instantly. Yes. But, yeah, learning new material mm-hmm. is exhausting. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, when, when you do it with live musos, they're reading music or they're following along. Mm. So and I'm out front with none of that. <laughs> <laughs> there can t- sometimes be some like, oh, I'm just going to ad lib and let totally. the band do their yeah. thing. But um, no, I working with live musos, especially in a drag setting, um, has just elevated what I do and mm. again pushed me into a space that no one else is really doing. Like, yeah. um, I don't know anyone in Australia that really performs with a live band in drag. And then 
only I've just now like Danny Beard, who just won Drag Race UK, he's currently touring with a band. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, 99% of the live drag shows I see there with backing tracks mm. or just piano. Yeah. Yeah, like piano yeah. bar sort of stuff, which I do a lot as well, which I love. Mm. I love nothing more than an acoustic oh gosh, yeah. piano set. Um, but yeah, just having the full band. And now with like the technology of click tracks, you can add in synths and stuff and make it sound like a full like you know, orchestra when you've only got four. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's totally, amazing. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah, the work yeah. that we can do is really cool. Yeah, it's so um good. also when we're talking about the version that you take touring versus mm. the version you can perform here. Is that mm. something that people are going to get to see toured, or is that just like too many? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> one of the one of the things I love telling people is you'll never see the same show twice, mm. even to local audiences. Totally. Um, so I'm doing. Life's a Dragon Mandra in a few weeks and it'll be the touring version, yep. which no one in Perth has seen. Yes, Because of course, yeah. they've seen version one, two or three. Yeah. Or sometimes they've seen all of them. <laughs> but then the touring version is like 2.5. <laughs> so, um, and they've never seen it with a band. I've never done mm. Life's a Drag with a band before. So the first time I'm doing it with a band is in Port Headland of all places. I love that. That's and my then, favorite. yeah, so do Port Headland and then the following week we do Man Pack, the in Mantra, which I love that space. It's so such beautiful. Such a pretty space. Both mm-hmm. of those spaces are so pretty. And well, first so, time yeah. in Port Hedland, so I'm excited to go up there. Yeah. And then I'm going to Kalgoorlie later in the year. Oh, back to my home. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going up there for Kalgoorlie Pride. Ooh. Yeah, so just just with piano for that one though. Yes. So that'll, well, that'll be, be nice. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and that is no fault of anybody except for grants as to how oh, many people we it's, bring. <laughs> it's money, it's scheduling, yeah. it's the, the there's so many layers to it. Yeah. So, so many layers to Whatever it. version yeah. you get to see, go. You get to go see. It'll always be fun. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. It'll always be different. Yeah. Um, I think that is a great place. I'm going to take a quick little break. Sure. That's because I'm thirsty. Okay. Um, and then we'll come back and talk about the local Perth scene that we touched Ooh, on at the beginning. Yes. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I, mean, I, I always used to say when I was a kid I was a nana's boy because I... Both of my grandmothers uh, was very, very close. Well, one of them still alive, but very close with them. Mm. And um, just would drink tea and scones with... But both of them constantly as a kid. What a good memory. Yeah. Are they were they jam on bottom or jam on top? Oh Do you remember? I don't know. That's remember. like a debate. That's like people talk about like pineapple and pizza or whatever right now. Yeah. But I think that the it's, jam on top or on the bottom no, is, is it? It's on the bottom. <laughs> For me? Yes. You can't spread jam over the top of but cream. Like to, no, it's like gotta a, be spread. Mm, no. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's problem solved. Let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> One issue down, yes, now the rest of Perth's yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, well, in that nonsense, I am still joined by the absolutely fabulous Dean uh, <laughs> Mizell. We got very sidetracked there. We Oops. did, but that is A-OK <laughs> with me, um, yeah. Jamgate. <laughs> yes, it's got to be plum jam. I'm a snob with jams. You're a plum jam Love person. plum jam. Why plum Just jam? something I've always eaten since a kid. I love a berry jam. Uh, I don't mind a strawberry, mm-hmm. um, but plum jam, I don't know what it is. I just love it. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's a nostalgic thing. Yeah. I think that it's just like, I don't know, there are a few good, like, really wanky boysenberry jams right. that I'm okay, like, I'm really okay <laughs> with. And I'm like, that, I feel like, I feel like plum comes in, like, 
though the the blue with the blue lid. Yeah, yeah, it's old school. Yeah, it's old school. And and you pull it out, and it just always stays like it never moves. You it looks like jelly. Yes, it looks like you, jelly. And you can't spread it because yeah. it breaks the the bread. <laughs> <laughs> And so I'm not against it. It's just, you know, it's got a very... <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I'm now going to be cancelled for not liking Plymouth. <laughs> That's what's actually going to happen. Um, speaking of things that will get us cancelled, let's talk about the Perth community. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Let's talk about Perth. No, I love Are we going to read? Are we here to read? Are we? <laughs> I'm here to uh, guide with love <laughs> towards a better world. No. No. Um, no, it's not all that. But we did uh, we did touch on opportunities and mm. what we do and don't yeah, take yeah. in the Perth scene. And yeah. as somebody who has seen um, a, the next generation of, of mm. like little drag babies come mm. up and experience the world, like what advice would you give to them when coming into the Perth scene specifically? Don't talk about it. Just do it. I'm so Whoa. sick. Well, I, that sounds nasty. I'm so sick of people. But no, <laughs> what I get. I hate humans. No, no. Yeah. I, it's one of the things that um, when people come up, it might be, They'll see me at a club or they message me on Facebook or, you know, whatever. And they're like, oh, I, I'd love to give drag a go or this or that. And I'm like, just do it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you look bad. Everyone looked like a bastard when they first started. You have to. It's it's, it's God's given right to look mm-hmm. bad when you start drag. And to think you look hot <laughs> shit. That's yeah, and to think you look good. <laughs> exactly. Just ask Ferocious. Uh, <laughs> she was one of those when she started. <laughs> but, um, no, it's true. Just don't talk about it. Just go and do it. Because the only way you're going to get better is by doing it. Yeah. Uh, and it's the only way you're going to work out what works for you, what you like, what you don't like, uh, how to interact with an audience. Um, because you can do drag in your bedroom. And as we've seen on Drag Race quite mm. recently, <laughs> these queens then come on the TV show and they literally have nothing to give because they're so used to just editing their every move into a 30-second TikTok yeah. or a YouTube video, they don't actually know how to be a real human being in front of a camera or in long-format entertainment. Yeah, interacting with other yeah, people in the Exactly, space. interacting <laughs> with other drag queens. Yeah. Like, Which is also interacting mm, with your audience. Of like, course. The whole point of, oh of it being live theatre in all the facets that you've done Some live theatre. Some of the theater. best times of, of my drag career have just been hanging out with other drag queens. Yeah. As much as I... I don't like drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like some of the best times have just been like hanging out with other queens talking mm. absolute shit. Yeah. And then running on stage and doing a show. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, never, never underestimate the power of just doing something mm. and letting the universe uh, figure it out. Totally. Mm. And I think that like building on that, that also means like you do not have to have the most expensive wig or the most expensive outlook or the mo- anything. You so don't have to have anything let's talk together. about that. Yeah. Because for years I would get read by the other queens for wearing wigs that weren't lace fronts. Right. Okay. I had this one little wig that I would wear to death. It was kind of like my chuck on and go for like mm-hmm. hosting a bingo or just looking cute. Yeah. It was a good DJ wig because short wigs for DJing, great. Totally. And... Um, Donna will happily admit to this because she's one of them. <laughs> and she, every time I, she sees me now in a wig that's not a lace front, she's like, this, the, all these years we were reading you for in cap wigs and now they're back in fashion. They surely 
Yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, don't underestimate a cheap wig or a cheap outfit. If you can piece it together and accessorize it and make it look great, mm-hmm. fucking rock the shit out of it. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think if the TV has fooled us about anything, it's that you need anything oh, custom. <laughs> I, I've got custom outfits in my wardrobe worth, you know, $1,200. And sure. then I've got a $10 AliExpress dress. Mm-hmm. And I, I get compliments on both of them. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, completely. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's number one for our littlies is to to just go ahead and do it. it. But the scene as it currently stands, Mm -hmm. let's give it some compliments first. What do we love about the Perth art scene right now? Oh, just the Perth. This is one thing I've always said about the Perth art scene is it's so, there's so much variety Mm, coming mm -hmm. from Sydney where you know, up and down Oxford Street, it's just like you could walk into any bar and basically see the same drag show 20 times a night. Interesting. Yeah. we Well, there was there was a, a term for it in Sydney. It's called Robo Drag. Okay. And it was born kind of post Priscilla the movie mm. where it would be three drag queens, same outfit, same shoes, same wig, doing like these little group shows. Yeah. And the term became Robo Drag because they all looked like three little robots doing drag. <laughs> and it still exists a little bit in Sydney, but it's definitely changed over yeah. the years. But coming to Perth, Perth had much more of a uh, a club kid kind of feel about drag mm. where drag was like eyebrows into your hairline, <laughs> massive big black lip line with fluorescent green lips and like – it was still, it. It yeah. was still very so camp, yes. camp drag, but just the physicality and the style of it was so much bolder mm. than what I had come from in Sydney. And still to this day, like you go down to Drag Factory on a Wednesday night, you'll see a queen doing a top 40 song. You'll see a queen doing a song you've never heard, someone wearing a wig, someone not wearing a wig. Mm-hmm. You'll see kings doing female vocals. You'll see queens doing male vocals. Totally. You'll see um, – this is another thing which uh, – a term which I – I, I first heard it from Ruby Jules and she's uh, – I'm not Ruby Jules, sorry, Ruby Slippers, mm-hmm. our burlesque sister. Um, she t- uh, It was called Draglesque. Ah, yes. And yep. she'd said – we were having a conversation one day and it was something about, you know, Draglesque is a very Perth-based thing. And I was like, that's so true. Mm. Other cities, again, now but previously, you know, five, ten years ago, yeah. drag and burlesque. Never crossed paths. No, exactly. Now they're almost indistinguishable. Yeah. They're so interlocked. I mean, you've um, done a PIBF Perth. Of course. I hosted the thing last year. That's it, yeah. And that's the it, thing, yeah. like burlesque is absolutely not what I do. But if I'm invited into that space, I would love to throw my hat in the ring and yeah. and it's not something I'm going to do all the time. Mm. I'm a singer. I'm a cabaret queen. I love that. But if someone says, hey, do you want to come do a number in the burlesque show? I'm like, let's get my clothes off. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. like fuck it. And that's the, that's kind of also one of the beauty about drag is it's kind of limitless. Mm. You know, there's stereotypes and different pockets of the drag community yeah. that we all sort of fall into or they're our niche or our strong point. But yeah, there's always room to move and change it up. Yeah, I've always loved mm. Perth's ability to just sort of mash everything together. Totally. I totally know when I started this show, I was like, I'm going to ask everybody mm. why and then insert their artistic discipline. And then I yeah. immediately ran into the problem is that everyone's a slashy. Yeah, 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 and totally. Went, this idea totally. <laughs> that, work. Um, another thing that I had never seen until I moved to Perth was cis women doing drag. Mm, First time I saw that was at yeah. Connections Nightclub in a show. Yeah. Um, and even in uh, Sydney, 99, I'd never seen female backup dancers in shows. It was always queens and male dancers. Yeah. Um, yeah, Perth was 
Perth has always just marched to the beat of its own drum when it comes to drag, mm. for sure. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because it's so isolated or we just don't give a fuck. Um, I don't know. I think that, like, yeah, we Perth, Perth is, yeah. yeah, Perth has always been very much just happy doing its own thing and doing it well. Yes, totally. Mm. The quality of it yeah. is also really high. Oh, my God, totally. Yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. Now the fun bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not gonna. We're not here to read, but like, what? You, <laughs> we can. We can. Um, but just a light shade. Just a little bit. Um, <laughs> what changes would you optimally like to see? Like, idealistically, we can pitch big. Well, we we need diverser venues. Yes. So interesting. Yeah. The court and connections are essentially the same thing. They're big, mm-hmm. loud, mm-hmm. quote unquote, nightclub spaces. Yeah. And yes, they can. we use Connections as a cabaret space and same at the court. I've mm-hmm. been doing cabaret shows and different stuff. But they're, they're, they're big spaces. Yeah. Um, I, and I was devastated when Park just closed mm. because I, no word of a lie, two weeks before they closed, I had a meeting with them about doing a dinner piano cabaret show. Oh. Because they they were a small bar, they had a kitchen, perfect space for that kind of dinner and drinks, mm. da 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 da, and then of course it, it's now since gone, and I don't even really know why. I just kind of got an email saying it's closing, and I was devastated yeah. because um, I think that that's the one thing that's lacking in Perth is a space that is more of a dinner and a show mm. or a drink and a chat. Um, as opposed to just, let's go get drunk. Yeah, strobe lighting and ear bleeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we love. (laughs) Hello, I'm a nightclub DJ. I love it. Mm -hmm. But I don't love it Mm. 24-7. And the biggest reason or the biggest problem with these venues that come and go is the lack of support from the community. Mm -hmm. And there's there's so many layers to this. Of course. And, you know, watching the comments online when Park closed of people's ignorance to even um, filter what they're saying or think before they speak where, oh, well, you know, typical Perth, something new comes along and it closes down. I'm like, how many times did you go support that venue Mm -hmm. in the time it was open? Mm -hmm. I can guarantee it would have been one or less. If, yeah. And then there was comments, we didn't even know it was open. Or, oh, another bar with this or another, like nothing's ever good enough for these people. And Mm. there's people that I have gotten to full-blown arguments with online and in person who just want to shit on Perth, but they don't ever want to be part of the solution. Completely. They want everything without actually having to work for it or support it. And guess what? Venues don't exist without people going to them. Going Mm. to a bar once a month does not keep a venue open. Totally. And this is why... Well, one just just as this is just my opinion. Of course, this is why we now see so many straight people in gay bars because yeah. if the gay bars were relying purely on a queer demographic, they would have shut. They 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 they'd both be closed. Yeah, because there's we don't have a big enough queer population in Perth, mm. and we now live in this world where we live online. We have Netflix. We have all these things. We have mm. so many more options of things to do. People don't go out and party four or five nights a week like they did in the 80s, 90s and 2000s. So, and I'm, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Like I, I don't, you know, if I'm not working, I'm not necessarily always going out. But Mm. if, if Park had had people going to it every night of the week, it'd still be open. Completely. And if you want to whinge about there being too many straight people in a gay bar, how about you get your gay friends together and flood the venue with gay people? Yeah, totally. 
Because if it's full with queer people, the straight people will be out outside <laughs> in the line. They'll be lining up still. Yeah. So that that is probably my biggest gripe with Perth at the moment is just, you know, new things coming along, then them not necessarily being supported, mm. people whinging without actually thinking about like, well, these people are running a business and business is hard. Yeah. And without you actually going and frequenting a venue, they're not going to last. So yeah. think about that. And people people picking and choosing, like Fringe is the perfect example. Mm. We watch the city come alive and people will go out and see multiple shows a week, but it's a window. It's mm. that one month of the year people know it's on, they get into it, they support it, they go hard. But when you're trying to maintain something year-round, mm. it, it's a very hard slog from a business point of view to keep that patronage up to sustain not only paying your bar staff and all that, but paying entertainers, advertising, insurances. Mm. Like there's so much that goes into a space. Like there was one comment I saw the other day, this person had, you know, posted, oh, I'm sad, park closed, would, you know, blah, blah, blah. One Another gay bar bites at us. And someone uh, had listed, well, here's all the things you can do in Perth. And it was like, you know, um, What's the queer alternative night? The I'm having a mental blank. Cherry bomb. Is cherry bomb. Yes. Yeah, cherry bomb, and they were they were listing yes. stuff like cherry bomb. And the new one in Fremantle that I've also. Yeah, the, yep, the um, flaming galah. Yes, and that's what I mean. Listed all these things, and the person's gripe was, well, uh, you know, cherry bomb's not a full time gay bar, and Fremantle's like 45 minutes out of the city, and like you know, so many of the sports teams now do nightclub events or social events, mm. and like there's. Honestly, if you opened your eyes, there is something queer to do in Perth every night of the week. 100%. Literally every night. Literally like, I'm doing night. bingo nights on Tuesday nights. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Drag bingo is not for everyone. Not every queer person <laughs> wants to go to drag bingo. But it's still there mm. and the option is still there. So there, I've never seen Perth have more queer events mm. or more to do. And it's still not enough for people. I just think people love to bitch and moan mm. because we're not Sydney. We're not Melbourne. They... They've got this grass is always greener mentality. Yeah. But as someone who's lived on the East Coast and, you know, travels quite a lot doing my show, I'm always the first person to say, I can't wait to get home to Perth. Yeah. I things that are here really cool. Well, I love Perth and I choose to live here. I didn't grow up here. Mm -hmm. I choose to live here. um, And I just adore it. As a city, the people, I've made this amazing life for myself here. So I am always 100% Team Perth everywhere Mm -hmm. I go. But, yeah, I think there's a bit of a disconnect in Perth with people's perception and the reality. Completely. And like, mm-hmm. and with those comments that are coming out, like, what's wrong with it being not a full-time creator? <laughs> what, like, like, Cherry Bomb has, like, cemented mm. itself as an institution. The work Absolutely. Absolutely. Is Absolutely. Amazing. Take my hat off to her. Yeah. What's 100%. The, what's the issue with the fact that it isn't yep. that all the time? I think people, again, they have this delusion of the past Mm. where you could just walk into a gay bar any night of the week and it would be 100% gay, 100% Mm. in their mind what a gay (laughs) bar should be. Yeah. And that's the thing. The world has changed. What it means to be queer has changed. Totally. Um, One of the biggest arguments I see about people wanting a full-time queer space is the safety of a queer space. Yes, which which, is important. Which is absolutely important. And I think – I'm not going to name names or businesses or anything, but there is a disconnect between some businesses understanding the culture of what a queer space is, the history of it, Mm. because queer bars and nightclubs for 
decades upon decades have not just been clubs and bars. They've been community centres. Mm-hmm. They've been safe spaces. They've been any number of things smashed into this one building. Mm-hmm. So, and again, that is a very old school way of thinking about it, but that's they existed at a time for that reason. And I think some people just haven't grown enough to realise that the world is diversified. And yes, we're not still not at a place of 100% safety or mm. acceptance or whatever. You know, we've just seen what happened this week with Adrian yeah. and the Cultural Centre and whatever. I don't even want to get into that because mm. it's just horrifying. It's awful. But that's what I mean. So it's just a different time and era and you either embrace it or you sit at home and become a bit of Betty. Like <laughs> that's bit, that's yeah. how I feel about it. And I think to your point, there is definitely, there is something queer happening every night of the week. 100%. Like even if it's not in classic nightclub spaces. Yeah. Like I think about the Kiki's for the ballroom queer Absolutely. scene that happen every single Wednesday, uh-huh. I believe it is, in Leaderville yep. at a community centre. Is that mm-hmm. like a traditional nightclub setting? No, nope. it's at a community centre, but why can that not be there the same? There is a queer book club. Mm-hmm. There are queer sports clubs. Mm-hmm. There's... The, there's several queer choirs and singing groups. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could go on. There's the gamers. There's, mm-hmm. you know, the pups. There's the, <laughs> the burlesque troops. Yeah. Like there is so much mm. to see and do. And like I said, not everything is going to be for everyone. No. And that, that yeah. just is what it is. But just go try something new. Yeah. Or, Back to point number one at the beginning of the yeah. thing. Just go and do just the thing. Just go and do it. Just and go and do it. And if you hate it, you don't have to exactly. go back. Like um, another... Prime example of someone who's doing this is Ian from Perth Gay Social. Totally. Oh, we're going on a wine tour. We're doing a river cruise. Mm-hmm. We're doing speed mates. Mm-hmm. We're doing like props to him because again, it, he he's like there's yep, yeah, he he runs it as a business and he does it himself and he's got uh, events pretty much every week. Yeah. So there please just open your <laughs> eyes. That that's what I'm that's kind of the whole point of this is open your eyes and look around. There is so much to do in Perth. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be in the same structures that is happening over East and that's what makes us so And it awesome. doesn't need to be in the same structures it has been in the past. Completely. That, that's so kind important. of, those are my two things. Open your eyes and see it and it's not going to be the same as it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. I don't want to shade the older generation because, mm-hmm. you know, they fucking walked so we could run. Totally. But, yeah, some of them really do need to kind of not let go of the past but just be mindful of that you being bitter is kind of hindering the queer experience for young people because we're experiencing it in a different way in a different era. Mm. And it's not, doesn't mean it's worse than when you had it or it doesn't mean it's bad. It's just different from the way you had it. And this for the younger generation of queer kids. um, This is their queer experience. Absolutely. And even someone (laughs) of my age, like I'm, you know, in my thirties and the kids that are coming out now who are 18, they're having a completely different queer experience than yeah, I had, uh-huh. you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, and we love, as it should be, as it yeah. will be, as it will continue yeah. to and be. And you know what? I roll my eyes at them. <laughs> I'm like, that's okay. They're, I'm not bitter about it. They're just living their life and mm-hmm. I just steer clear of them. <laughs> you know. and <laughs> Come talk to me when you're 26. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. I know, but I've got friends in their 60s and 70s yeah. and I've got friends who are 18. Totally. And uh, I couldn't imagine living a life any other way. And that there is exactly the beauty of being in the local queer scene. Yes. It is that it, that exact sentence that you said between like 60 to 18, like how cool is Go that? have a chat with Nana Neil. Yeah. Go, go talk to an 18-year-old twink. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like. I mean, I I can sometimes be a bit standoffish because if I'm in a bar 
I'm either working mm. or if I'm not working, I don't want to be in work mode. Yes. So I'll be there just having a drink. So sometimes if someone comes up to me and I'm not in the mood to talk, I can be a little bit like, <laughs> I'm just having a drink with my friends. Yeah. Hi. But, you know, for the most part, um, talk to people that aren't your friends or mm. might be a little bit different to you. Just even if it is only a 30 second chat, you can maybe give them a piece of knowledge or they can teach you something and you might not ever speak to them again, but just having that tiny yeah. little interaction can open Pandora's box into a whole new world of whatever. Yeah. Go try stuff. Try yeah. bingo once. You don't have to like it. Then next week go try something Try else. Steamworks. Yeah. <laughs> try stuff. I've taken plenty of first timers to Steamworks recently and they're like, oh, oh it's like... not what we thought it would be. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> exactly. Just go try it. If you don't like it, never go back. What we do? Like, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, you probably get, like have a bunch of people converted by the end of that too. Oh, baby. Exactly. <laughs> I'm always down for a good time. Here we go. There we go. And being always down for a good time, let's do the social media plugs, the real good time stuff. So it's just Dean Misdale on everything. Can you spell Misdale for us because I'm dyslexic, so I'm going to need it. <laughs> M-I-S-D-A-L-E. So DeanMisdale.com, Dean Misdale, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, OnlyFans. No, I haven't got OnlyFans yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> yet. I, oh, there's mm, that's a whole other show. We can talk about that, but I don't know. I think there's something to OnlyFans. There is not not even necessarily in what people assume it is, mm-hmm. but that um, paid paid for content, basically content totally. creation. Yeah, um, I guess it's what um, Patreon is doing, totally. sort of thing. It, it's yeah. a similar vibe, except you've got like more power. You've over got more it, control over it. Your aura, yeah. like reality, is if you're on all the other social media platforms, you are creating content for free. Yeah. All the time. Oh my God. All the time. For, there for there we go. There's, an, there's an, another bit, bit of advice uh, for beginners. Know your worth. Mm, and yes, yes, when you start, you're not going to be getting paid big dollars. Mm-hmm. So don't don't be an asshole and expect huge money, but also don't be stupid enough to give yourself away for free. Mm-hmm. You've got to find that happy middle. So yeah. know your worth, whether it's the top end or the bottom end or whatever. Yeah. Very much. And I'm happy to have that conversation with people. Yes. I'm happy to give you advice on how much you should be charging because everyone should be getting paid. Yes. Okay. That, that And that should not be a controversial statement. No, <laughs> absolutely not. But it still is. Oh, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> nope. Not in my world. Nope. Not here. Mm-mm. So um, everyone, please go flood uh, Dean Millsdale's <laughs> <laughs> social media with questions about money and finances. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> And as always, if you like this podcast, you can rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to us right now. Or you can send us a question to waexposepod at gmail.com and we'll ask our next incredible guest. Thank you so much, Dean, for joining me today. My pleasure. WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlet.com forward slash WA expose. Oh, just English breakfast. Milk, English bre- sugar. Milk, uh, one, one raw sugar. It's got to be raw sugar. Mm-hmm. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.